the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. Politics, 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 history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily. I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Detroit Tigers defeated the Cleveland Guardians 5-2 in their 2023 season finale this past Sunday. Kerry Carpenter singled to plate Parker Meadows in the first inning. Javier Baez doubled to send home Akil Badu in the following inning. Andy Abanez singled to score Matt Beerling in the third inning, and Beerling smoked a two-run homer to plate Carpenter two innings later to complete the Tigers' scoring. Eduardo Rodriguez, who may have pitched his last game in a Tigers' uniform, allowed both runs and amassed five strikeouts in seven innings to earn his 13th victory. Will Vest tossed a scoreless eighth inning, and Alex Lang pitched a scoreless ninth inning to tally his 26th save of the season. In curling news, a Canadian men's team, captained by Brent Pierce, defeated another Canadian squad, captained by Catlin Schneider, 8-1 to win the Prestige Hotels and Resorts Curling Classic last Sunday. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And good afternoon. Now, if you're sitting back in your chair saying, what is so unique about Moment of Clarity? This is the only show that 52 weeks out of the year, just about 52 weeks out of the year, you can turn on the radio and hear curling news here in the United States. You want something unique? There we have it. All thanks to the Swiss Army Knife of Radio, Derek Stone. Stone Cold Truth. It is. How you doing, folks? Uh, Pastor Rick here. Got... uh, a whole lot of nothing to talk about today. And that's what I like about my show. It can be about absolutely nothing, and we still have fun talking about it. No, actually, we have some. I want to a little bit continue the conversation about some of the great things Michigan has to offer. But then I want to get into a more serious conversation that uh, the responsibilities of we as Christians, what, what are our responsibilities to be in, involved in government? There are some uh, cults out there, and I will call them cults because I believe very much they are cults, that believe that we should not be involved in government at all, that uh, we should not do anything. We shouldn't work for the post office. Well, then again, no one should work for the post office. It's dangerous out there. Um, Or, uh, you know, join the military or even vote uh, or even in some cases get uh, something such as a Social Security card or anything like that. Uh, They're they're that anti-government. Then there's other people that say, no, we are part of the government. We have to get involved. So what is the Christian's responsibility and involvement in the government here in the United States? And we're going to be talking about that a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, uh, last week, there's I want to give tribute to some local bands. Uh, when I say local bands, I mean local to Michigan. And Michigan has got, oh, a, a lot of mu- musical history behind it. I mean... Uh, you got the whole Motown experience, right? And then you have like Bob Seger, and you have the uh, 
Ted Nugent. I said, yes, Ted Nugent. You didn't have to say that quietly. You don't have to say your, his name like you're ashamed of it. Ted Nugent. I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was surprised you could read my lips that clearly. That's nice to know. Yeah, I've got a really good screen. I've got I've got eight eight K screen. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I got a two K uh, camera. So there you go. There you go. My screen makes up for where your camera lets us down. <laughs> so. Hey, folks, that's my co-host, Ed Bondarek. How are you doing, Ed? I am just fine. If I was doing any better, vitamins should be taking me. But they're not. They're taking me because they know I'm even oh. better. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I actually had somebody, I, I, had, I heard somebody actually use that line in a gas station. And, a uh, listener. Uh, yeah, they, some they, you know they asked at the counter, you know, how you doing today? And, and uh, said, I am so good, vitamins be taking me. I said, you listen to Wham Radio, don't you? He goes, yes. <laughs> how do you know? He says, oh, Pastor Rick's line. I go, yeah, I've heard that somewhere before myself. And he's listening. We're talking, and all of a sudden, I know that voice. <laughs> and then I had to spend an hour apologizing. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. So I was able to find one of our 16 listeners by accident out there at a gas station. But uh, so there is a song, two songs I want to play. One is a very local band. The other one is local, local to Michigan. They're out of Traverse City. And, and I like their name. They're called the Accidentals. And if you look at it, Accidentals are certain parts of musical. And they all represent like the sharp and the flat. And they're like three different, very obviously different people. So called the Accidentals, comparing themselves to the musical uh, accidentals um, is really, really uh, ingenious, actually, I thought. Um, but they have a song called Michigan Again. And uh, so we're going to listen to that. And then we will talk a little bit about Christianity. And the next hour, we got another local group that I just absolutely love that we will uh, play one of their songs. Roses bloom again Home of the water 
Accidentals. They're from Traverse City, Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. Again, great song about great song about Michigan. Kind of reminds me as a kid going around rock hunting with the family on the beaches of Michigan. You know, <laughs> my sister sent me a package uh, with a bunch of decorations, and the way she used to decorate it as a nativity scene, and the way she used to not decorate it is with a lot of stones and rocks and everything else. And she says, "Well, I didn't send you the rocks because I figured you could find some in Michigan." Yeah, um, Michigan's surrounded with rocks. <laughs> On every on every beach you go to, you're going to find them in your backyard, whatever. We have rocks in Michigan, and we used to go hunting for them. And that kind of reminded that song reminds me as a kid going and having fun on the beach and and going up to the sand dunes in Traverse City and playing in the dunes and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of all the fun things there are to do in Michigan outside of politics, which is not fun in Michigan. Matter of fact, it's terrible. Yeah, Ed. You know, I was just reminded as you were playing that of an album by a guy named Sufjan, S-U-F-J-A-N Stevens. And he wrote uh, an album, actually tried to write a a series of albums on every state. And one of the albums is uh, Greetings from Michigan. It shows like a postcard album, Greetings from Michigan's album cover, if you remember album covers. Yes. And uh, there was some really good music on there. I really liked it. It was really nice. This stuff reminded me of what he does. Yeah. Yeah, What, uh, what, uh, what, what, who would you say is your favorite politics aside? Because if you put politics in there, it, it adds a whole nother level to what musician you would pick. But uh, music, musically inclined only, and you cannot, you cannot say the witch doctors. All right, um, <laughs> no being of secrets. Go in there. <laughs> uh, well, who's your favorite band in Michigan other than the witch doctors? And now, are you saying a songwriter or performing band? Either. I'll take either. 
I really enjoy listening to the Depot Tone Big Band from Ypsilanti. I okay. really enjoy. They play swing. They play modern era music. They do a really good job of it. And uh, uh, I'm trying to get them uh, a regular gig now since they don't play at Hobbs anymore. And we'll see what happens. I'm trying to see if I can get them at a restaurant. I was just talking to the owner last night. And if that works out, that would be sweet. Then more people would have exposure hey, to them. Do me a favor for for in two weeks. We'll do it in two weeks because we've got uh, best stuff coming up next week because we've got a really good one we want to replay. A really good show. You can't miss it, folks. It's like a really great show that we're going to redo for next week. But and we can You're going to be on it too, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> one. <laughs> one. One, yeah. Uh, so, I, listen at one. I don't care what you do at two o'clock. <laughs> There's another show, uh, something about heritage or something like that on Aftermind. Yeah. So, but, uh, um, in two weeks, bring it in in two weeks when you're going to, and uh, we'll listen to your, pick out a piece of music that you think the audience will like. Okay. Well, I'll probably play something from the Sufjan Stevens album. I really, he is not from Michigan. From, He's from, from Brooklyn. From, from the band you oh, just Depot mentioned. Town. Yeah, Depot Town. Yeah, I got, I got recordings. Actually, you can find them on YouTube. If you Google my name, you'll find a playlist of videos that I took of them playing at, uh, at Hobbs. And it's, they do good stuff. It's really nice. They're swing. So find a swing song. I love swing. So I, I, I can attest. Swing would be okay. Uh, under three minutes. Okay. That's all I yeah. asked. Got all it. Right. All right. Um, so what is the involvement? And our phone number is 734-822-1600. Yes. I just discovered this week that Edgar Rice Burroughs hails from Michigan. Huh. It's a homeboy. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people at one point or another call Michigan home. Tim Allen. There's someone, mm -hmm. you know, called Michigan home. Then he betrayed us. Even though he's a conservative, where does he go? He goes to California where his vote means nothing. Nothing. I'm saying nothing in California. But then again, it doesn't mean much here in Michigan anymore, does it? <laughs> so. But actually, he had he had exposure because he went to California. He had national exposure. I don't know if, he, if he'd remained in Michigan. He would have had uh, uh, the, the influence that he gained from uh, playing Tim yeah. Allen on uh, um, Tool Time. You know, I was talking to a co-worker. He was in from Ohio, and we were uh, having lunch. And he said, what do you want to drink? And I said, I'll take a Verner's. He said, eh. I said, oh, that's right. You're from Canada. You want a Canada dry, right? He said, no, no. I says, have you ever had a Verner's? And I told him the history of Verner's. And um, I don't know if a lot of people know about the fact that Dr. Verner's was a dentist before the Civil War. And he was home brewing different stuff. And he went off to war and he left a concoction that he was making, ginger ale. He left it in an oak cask and came back four years later and found out how good it tasted. And thus was born Verner's aged four years in woods, in, in wood. So we actually have uh, Joe on the line who wants to actually talk about what we've been talking about, but not where I'm going, going. but uh, about what we're talking about, about his favorite uh, Michigan band. Hey, Joe, what's going on? Way too much these days, way too much. But, yeah, I called. Uh, I like Nick Jones, a downriver native son, son of Jeff Jones, which you'll remember the name, ran against Mr. Debbie Jingle a few yeah. times. And you can find him on Facebook.com slash Nate 
Jones music, because apparently there's a few Nate Jones that are musicians, musicians, not magicians. <laughs> but uh, and he's got a tune called Detroit Proud that I, I really like, really good. You know, paying homage to his roots here in Michigan. Okay, Nate. Nate, it is Nate Jones. Uh, one vote for Nate. All right, we got coming up next. Next uh, after the break, we have coming up a local band that uh, friends of mine, and they do a fantastic job, and they listen to Wham Radio. Just so you know, I mean that right there was a plus. They listen to Wham Radio, and they play really great blues. Um, and I'm I'm a huge blues fan, so we we will. You know, yeah, I yeah. started to talk to somebody at work the other day, and. I started, I said, well, how's your day going? I said, well, I woke up this morning and I thought, oh, well, there's a blues tune, you know, because uh, things were really going rough. And then I thought, wait a minute, I woke up this morning. That's not the opening line of a blues tune. That's the opening line of praise to God. I woke up this morning. Everything else is a gift. Even if your dog died, your pickup truck I died. Heaven this morning. That would be a praise song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just saying. So that brings us now into the conversation that I want to talk about. Uh, Religion, our Christian faith, how it is involved with politics. And I've thought a lot about this, and and what's been weighing on my heart a lot is uh, the words of Jesus. You know, he prayed for us as a church that we would come together, that we would love one another, and that we'd be as one. And and I believe that prayer, because, well, Jesus is God— uh, that that prayer is going to be answered. I believe that prayer is going to be answered in the millennium, where all of a sudden we, we're all on the same page now because, well, there's the boss, and we know exactly what he wants, and we, they're, we're not going to allow things like uh, our own personal presuppositions get in the way of worship. But I've heard so many views. I've I've talked about some of these on the air before. I remember one time I was going through a uh, small town in southeast Michigan by the name of Tecumseh. They were having a great big march out there when President Trump was president. Um, and he will be again. Uh, and they yeah. were marching against how we were treating uh, people at the border. By the way, just to throw this in, did you hear Biden has picked up building the wall again? <laughs> he was for it before he was against it. Against it, yeah. Um He's building the wall again. He's saying, well, the money is supposed to go there. So that's what we got to do is build the wall. He's building the wall again. So, well, hey, good for him. I don't think he remembers that he was against it. So uh, oh, no, he uh, said he's, he's being forced to. And it's, it's hilarious. I don't know if you saw Kareem. Uh, what's her face? Uh, well, finish my story. You think about that. Yeah, sorry. About, let me finish yeah. my story. So I'm going out and there's this church having this big protest against Trump and how he's dealing with immigrations. And they're saying, you know, quoting Jesus, do unto what you do to the least of these, you do unto me and everything like that. And I walked up there and the pastor was holding up a big sign saying, what does the Bible say about this? Well, I had to. There was a question mark there. It deserved an answer, right? So I said, I, I will pull over and I'll go and answer. And I walked up there and I said, I'm here to answer your question. What does the Bible say about immigration? <laughs> what does the Bible say about nations? What does that, what, because they're saying no nations, nothing else like, you know, no more nations, no more borders, everything else. I says, who created borders? Who created nations? God did. 
well, what about Abraham? He just walked into Egypt. I says, yeah, and he sent word ahead to Pharaoh first and saying, hey, is it okay if I come? He got permission. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're going through this, and, and, and I said, and are we not told to follow the laws of the land? Well, yeah. I says, why is your church encouraging these people then to violate the laws of the land by coming here illegally rather than legally? He says, well, they're coming from a hard place. I says, fine, send them money in their homes in that hard place to help them out there. What does the Bible but not my say? Money. But, but, but yeah, send the, their money, send their money there to do it. You know, not ours. Send, if you want to help somebody out in Guatemala, send them some money. If you want to help somebody out in Guatemala, go there. You know, but don't ask them to break the law of the land by coming over here. And by the time we were done, three, three of the guys that were out protesting put their signs down and they said, Pastor, he's right. You asked him what the Bible said, and he gave you biblical answers. Because so, I went down verse by verse, boom, 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 boom. And uh, he says, well, what, what about Matthew? I said, I firmly believe we are to do to the least, for the least of these. But that is a call for the individual. Not for government and not asking them to break the laws of the land. So here's the thing. He really believed in his Christian heart that he was doing the right thing. He was using a different passage to justify his presuppositions, in my opinion, to justify his actions and his opinion in government. And it, it finally hit me. It all breaks down to Bible interpretation. All breaks down to your theology. If what I've found, if you belong to a church that we will call all mill or believe that there is no millennium, or, or if you're post mill that the millennium already happened and now we're after it, you're going to believe that it is our job to make the world a better place for Jesus to return. That's if you're post-mill. If you don't believe in a mill, then it's just our job to make the world a better place until the world is destroyed. Um, but it puts the onus on us to make the world a better place, not on God. These are people that tend to take the Bible more allegorically. They take the Bible more as a figure of speech than they do take it literally to come up with these uh, views. But in so doing so, they build their theology around that, that it is our job to make the world a better place. So they start pushing towards something called a one world government. Because they figure that's what we should do is make one government in the world that is godly like and everything else. And so that we become a better place and there are no more borders. There are no more um, nations, that we all live as one happy family. That, remember back at it when we were kids, the song We Are the World came out and all the musicians were saying, <laughs> we are the world. You know, I had to do a thing in, um, in, in seminary where I had to argue for a post-mill position. And I used that song as the theme song and it works perfectly for a post-mill view. It's up to us to be the peacemakers. It's up to us to do all this miraculous things that God is going to do. But when you hold that view, then you have to believe it's our job then to put in a socialist type government, uh, something that pushes hard for taking other people's money to fix the problem. Can't do it on your own. It takes the whole world to come together. It takes a whole village to raise a child. Well, and so that is one theology that comes up with this premise then that if they're going to take their Christian duty, then what they have to do is try to elect the people that is going to be the most progressive in their views to try to make uh, a, a utopia, a man-made utopia. 
they believe that that is their job is to create a man-made utopia. This is why we see sections in the Presbyterian church, sections in the Lutheran church, sections in the Catholic church, all pushing for this man-made utopia because their theology demands it. But what happens when you take a more literal view of the Bible? And the Bible says a one world government is bad. And that peace comes only through Jesus Christ. Something to think about, because that's where I stand. We'll talk about that more after these messages. Pastor Richard Dietering on WAM. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily. I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Michigan Wolverines football team's Big Ten conference schedules for 2024 through 2028 were revealed this past Thursday, which feature the Oregon Ducks, USC Trojans, UCLA Bruins, and Washington Huskies, all of whom have joined the BTC since June of last year. Michigan will face Oregon twice at the Big House and once at Outson Stadium. The Maison Blue is set to battle USC twice in the friendly confines of Michigan Stadium and once at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. The Wolverines and Bruins will participate in a home-and-home series in Ann Arbor and Pasadena, California, and Michigan is going to compete against Washington twice at Husky Stadium and once in Treetown. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue, cause I can't do the boogaloo, I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing, and that's why I sing, gimme, gimme, ding, ding. Silent breed is people, we gotta stop them somehow. So we're talking about uh, Christian views and politics, and I, I gave the view basically of the all mill and the post mill, it's their job to make the world a better place and therefore are going to take a more progressive view. And they, they're going to have to feel in their heart that they're voting for the more progressive people because that will bring into the government that they, the world government that they feel is the most godly. But what about the person like me who takes the Bible underneath a literal, or let's go with a more simple historical linguistic view of the Bible, that it means what it means it means exactly what the author meant it to mean when he wrote it kind of like our constitution something can only mean what the author meant it to mean and uh it wasn't written as allegory back when it was written so take a more literal view of it then my view of the one world government is going to be totally different than the all mill or the or the post mill the progressive end of the church uh because I would say that the Bible then points that the one world government is actually uh, an evil thing. That's going to be run by the Antichrist. Uh, so the a one world government approach is not a good approach. It's a demonic approach. 
that there was something holy about nations when God formed nations, that he wanted us to go out and form nations. The reason for Tower of Babel was because the people were not doing what God told them to do, which was to go out and populate the earth. So he divided them up in languages and nations. And so we take a different view of what's coming. And so it boils down to this. It depends on how you look at the word of God. If you look at the Bible as having authority in your life, that it has meaning and purpose, that it is God's word, and that we are to go with the meanings that the authors mentioned to mean when they were first written, then we've got to that, and we take the whole Bible as a whole. So in doing so, we no longer stone people to death. Got it? We don't do that anymore because in the book of Hebrews says, no, that's been done away with, and here's why. Boom. And gives a good theological answer for it. So we don't, we don't do that because the Bible tells us not to do that anymore. But we take the whole Bible into context. So don't call me up and say, well, about this verse that says to stone people to death for this. Well, back then, that was to prove that there's a, there is a penalty for breaking the law, and it generally meant death. Romans says the penalty of sin is death, right? And Jesus came to pay for that penalty. He paid the penalty. No more stoning. Got it? Good. So we... <laughs> We take this view, we take this view then that it's got this real meaning to it. If you take that, then you're going to have a different view of the type of person you're going to elect. Go ahead, Ed. Well, you know, to the stoning issue, frankly, uh, back before the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about God's view of what's going on. Obviously, we're talking about the Bible. So before the stoning, we didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit offered to Christians you know, so now we have that and a moral compass built in from the Spirit of God. That's God's offer to mankind. It doesn't have to be this this threat from the outside of of what's going to happen to you physically, but there's a chance for repentance and renewal. But I was driving to work the other day, and I was thinking about along the lines of a one-world government or any government and relying on that to do good. And it, it turns out that I thought that— uh, a benevolent government is the one that will turn into a malevolent government. That's, And I was Googling that, and I found uh, something that C.S. Lewis said. He said, of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. So, and, and, and I like C.S. Lewis, so I'm going to say it's a good quote. It goes, well, C.S. Lewis, and, well, he rocks. <laughs> right? yeah. um, he was from Michigan, too. He was not. No. <laughs> he should have been, but he was yeah. not. Um, but my, my, my point on the, all of this, now if I can try to get back to it, is, is this one point. Is the Bible in Romans 13 says that God gives the government the sword to wield. He gives them the right to do things. In this country, the government is still, even if the Democrats don't like this, the government in this country is still the people, you and me. We're the ones who are given the sword to wield. And every two to four years, depending on who we're voting for, we vote for people that will, we're saying here, we trust you to wield this sword for us in a way as Christians that we are saying is going to be godly. If you take the view that the Bible has meaning, if you take the view that the Bible has authority in your life, authority in your life, you understand what that word means? If you believe the Bible has the right to tell you what to do and how to live. If you believe that and you believe that evil exists and you believe in the, the meanings of the words are what the author meant it to mean when they wrote it, you're going to vote for somebody totally different 
than those who look at the Bible's allegory. A good story with a moral ending that we should kind of learn from, but uh, not take too serious. So we as Christians, what is our responsibility in the voting world? It's going to be based on your theology. And if you want more people to vote to like someone who believes the Bible has authority, then they're going to have to be taught that the Bible has authority by proving it to them, by reading the Bible to them and show them that it's not allegory. It is real. It has purpose. Then we can put people in office that are godly men. And I think we have to, we have to strive to really put people in office that we feel as Christians are godly. But we also have to remember, we can also, just as God used the Assyrians to make a point and the Babylonians to make a point to, to Jerusalem at some times, um, we have to make sure that it's going to be someone who takes the nation in a godly direction, in spite of themselves sometimes. We've got to listen to what's going on. We've got to listen and hear what they're saying and where they're actually going. And is it just hyperbole that they're speaking or are they speaking what they feel is the truth? How many times have we seen people go into office where we've just been disappointed, where all of a sudden the swamp sucked them in? Do we keep voting for that person because we voted for him last time? Some people would just say, well, I voted for him before. I better vote for him again or her. Something to think about, but before we continue this conversation, I, I want to play this. It's a song from a Michigan band. Um, they're friends of mine. They, they do a wonderful job with the blues, and I, I absolutely adore the blues. I mean, this is one of the reasons I, I love Fade Rohn's music so much. He did blues so well, right? Um, but uh, it's called the Scully Roadhouse Band, and they're local, very local. And if you get a chance to hear them, they play a lot in hell, Michigan. And, uh, you know, they're not from hell, but they play in hell every now and then. Uh, even when it's frozen over. Uh, so, but they're a really great group. Scully Roadhouse Band. Let's hear them. Well, I'm a lost truck, baby, I must confess. Life about to down just a solid mess. Think about you, baby, give me such a thrill. I gotta have you, baby, can't get my bill. I love you, baby, and I know just what to do. I still remember letting the sin The way it makes me feel to take a fool and forget I swore a ton of bricks and hit me in the head What you do, little baby, I know for a ten Every time I see you make me feel so fine My heart beating crazy, my blood running wild Love it makes me feel like a mighty, mighty man Love me, baby, I'm your man Yeah, I'm a love struck baby Yeah, I'm a love struck baby you got me love struck, baby. And I know just what to do.
fast and fine every time we meet Let me tell you, baby, you knock me off my feet Your kisses tear me up, that's a doggone sweet Don't you know, baby, you can't be beat Yeah, I'm a little stuck, baby Yeah, I'm a little stuck, baby You got me little stuck, baby And I know just what to do Love Struck Baby. I really love that song, especially in this center where Craig, who's the lead guitarist, is playing. He he really breaks that down. He gets this point where his guitar actually sounds like a train if you were listening to that. He does a fantastic job. Um, yeah, the, the whole band, they're a great bunch of people. And uh, hey, hello, Scully Roadhouse Band. I know you're out there listening. Uh, you listen every Saturday, and we appreciate that. And so that was Love Struck Baby. If you get a chance to see Scully Roadhouse Band, do it. So that was a little free DJ work there for the scully roadhouse band so what who? do you think of the blues who who is that scully scully roadhouse band that's the k or a c why that's scully with a c thank you okay s-c-u-l-l-y roadhouse band yeah so um we have a responsibility as a people to get out and do something in the government we are called as christians to obey the law of the land we are given that sword to wield we we live in a very unique land where the people are the government. And how serious do we take that? Because we got a whole faction of other brothers and sisters in Christ who would say that our view's a little too archaic in their opinion, that we shouldn't be so literal with the Bible, that, that we should be at other people's expenses helping the poor, not our own. I'm a firm believer, a very firm believer that we are called to help the poor, that we are called to help the needy. But I believe that that call is to the individual, to the individual heart, to test that person's heart, not a national testing of the heart, but a personal testing of the heart on how you deal with the compassion you show others. It shows no compassion if I say, Ed, I'm going to make you help the Guatemalans by taking money out of your pocket and sending it to them. And you don't have a choice in the matter. But that's what we're doing now. We're taking money out of Ed's pocket to send to Guatemala. And the Guatemalans all say, thank you, Ed. They appreciate it. But you didn't have a choice in it. I remember this uh, story about, and I think it was Davy Crockett. He was a senator, a uh, representative from Kentucky. Yeah. And, uh, and he was riding a road, uh, uh, canvassing the district. And there's farmers out in the field. He comes up. He comes up and says, uh, hey, by the way, Mr. Crockett, I'm, I voted for you, but I won't be voting for you this time. And uh, he says, why not? He says, well, you voted for this relief money for these citizens of Washington, D.C. out of federal money, and it's not your money to give. And I mean, that was clear. That was clear. And actually, Crockett learned from that, and he went and apologized to his district. He says, I want you to get together, barbecue, I'll pay for it. You get all your friends together, I'll address it, and I'll apologize for that. Because it wasn't his money to give. And all this money we give to school districts, not to mention just Ukraine, but the school districts from the federal coffers to build a park or to some city to improve their gay library facilities, and all, none of that is constitutional. We've got to put a stop to that. Yeah. You know, and the way that, and the reasons they spend money 
aren't always just in our community. We have we have a politician that wants to. It sounds it sounds wonderful. He wants to open a park in our in our community. We don't have a park in our community, except when you take a look at the cost of running a park. Uh, and we live out in the rural country, so people have big backyards for their kids to play in and things like that. So is a park mm-hmm. really necessary? But he wants to build this great big park, saying it's going to be good for the community, except that the cost of running the park is very expensive. But here's the kicker. He wants it named after him. <laughs> <laughs> you see what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, yeah, uh, so you, government becomes a malevolent government. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so there's always when, when government starts spending money, your money, you have to ask yourself why, you know, um, and, and, and they might give some argument. Well, the, the community can really use this park. The community can really use this. They actually filled up our, in our township. We had a meeting hall. They actually filled up and took all the offices out of one building and put them into another building. So neither building could be used as a meeting hall so they could build a new township hall. That's the reason they did it. Well, got to meet at the school now because there's no room in the meeting hall because we put offices in there. The officers were doing really well right where they're at, you know, and they didn't need bigger offices because, well, they don't do anything there anyways. But it goes to ask yourself when your government, local or county or state or federal, when they start spending money, it's your money. And you better be asking why. And is it being used in a way that you would support yourself out of your own pocket often that answer is going to be no no yeah. i would not support this out of my own pocket if they came in that knocking my door and asked me money for it and yet they're spending on it and you say well it's a great idea that government's doing that that's your money that you would not have spent money on in the first place so why make others do it you know the whole thing about supporting ukraine like it's a front line of defense against you know the russians coming over here and all the unaudited money that we give Ukraine. I mean, okay, so you want to do this. Why don't you audit it and tell us where it's going? Oh, we're not going to audit it. That's that's unacceptable. And yet we seem to let it ride. And I was just told that uh, Zelensky was over here. Zelensky was just over here begging for money and his wife's off shopping at Cartier. Yeah, they need our money. Well, Here's I, I kind of look at Ukraine, and I know I, I'm I'm going to say that I'm very unique in my look at Ukraine. Uh, I know I I'm not for Russia in this. I I think Putin is a tyrant in this case. Now, with that being said, do I think that we need to be financing wars in other countries? That I have a problem with. As much as I think Putin is a tyrant, and I think that he is wrong, and I know too many people in the Ukraine that I talked to about what's actually going on over there. I don't get my news from CNN, MSNBC, or Fox when it comes to the Ukraine. I get it from the Ukraine. And uh, it's not the Ukraine, it's Ukraine. Well, I don't care. I'm saying the Ukraine, okay. just like Ohio State says that, the Ohio State. Okay. Got it? Sure. <laughs> saying it that way because, well, I can. I live in America and we're free. Freedom of speech. Actually, see, there's a distinction about people who call it the Ukraine versus Ukraine. And it's actually the left that came up with calling it the Ukraine. There's a whole story behind that I don't want to get into right now, but that's why I mentioned it. Like I also call it the USSR. The United States of America. Okay. It's a definite article. And definite articles serve a purpose in the English language. (laughs) 
So with that being said, uh, I'm not for funding other wars. Unless you can show me specifically how that is going to save the United States being involved in something or Israel. I'm very pro Israel. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But unless you can show me on how that can directly, and I can show you through my faith on how helping, helping Israel helps the United States. There's a whole Bible verse about that. Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. Yeah, there you go. So it's, uh, but I'm not for funding wars all over the world. And yet we do that. We, we, we fund the discourse a lot of times going on in the world. We don't like this country. We build up an army against it and we send them in, you know, to take care of it. We're funding that through the CIA and other organizations. So as much as I am against Russia and what they're doing, I'm not for the funding of it. And if I was for the funding of it, I should be the one writing a check and sending it over there. It should be in a balanced, but it should be in a budget. It should be a budgetary item that we should be accountable on instead of just this giveaway from the well, president, think, from the executive I, branch. Again, I, I still go with the argument is, is this something that are they spending their money on something that I would take out of my own pocket and send money to? And if I'm going to be saying, no. yeah, I support Ukraine, um, then I then I should be able to write a check and send it over to Zelensky and say, here, use this for your war, right? Um, mm-hmm. I should not be forcing you who might be totally against that. That should not be coming out of the U.S. budget. So I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think it should be budgeted. I don't think it no, should be sure. in the budget. You're absolutely right. You're right. I stand corrected or sit corrected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I am all for Ukraine. Or as I like to say, the Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm all for the Ukraine. The uh, and, and I'm I'm for I'm for them to have their nation. I do not think putting together another Soviet bloc is a good thing. I don't. So I should be willing to take out of my own pocket to send there. I should not be forcing you, who might be totally against Ukraine and <laughs> might be totally for the Russia. <laughs> I see what you did there. You saw what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. That is called a, re- a rhetorical device. It drives a point home. <laughs> so, um, and, and that's the way I look at how the government spends money. Just because I, just because 51% of the people want to send money to Ukraine doesn't mean it's right. Matter of fact, I find many times throughout history where the majority is wrong. Take a look at. Germany, from right around 1943, 44, 45. Look at what the majority over there believed. Were they right? I don't think so. <laughs> so. I thought that was a rhetorical question. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of was. Another rhetorical device. You didn't have to answer it. I, I already knew the answer. So, <laughs> But... Uh, so we as Christians, what are we looking for when we vote? I have this real strong passion of mine to get this message out, this one message, and I want you to hear this message. Do not let your earthly politics define your Christianity. Let your Christian your Christian faith define how you look at politics. Yes, uh, 
Well, exactly. And we say, I don't want to get into politics. It's a dirty business. Somebody's got to do it. And if, you, if it's a dirty business and godly people don't get in, then only dirty people get in. And we see where that's gotten us, right? This whole thing of uh, pietism that started, I think, in the 1900s of, oh, we're just going to refrain from being in government because we owe, we owe allegiance to the church only, to Christ only. And we're not getting involved in, you know, separation of church and state. And that pretty much got us where we are today. And then if Christians got involved, all of a sudden they were mocked as the theocracy, whatever, how do you pronounce that? Theocracy. Theocrats. Theocrats. Thank well, you. Yeah. There's another way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and sometimes we are not going to find, we, and we also have to remember when we are electing someone, we're not electing a church leader. We're hopefully electing somebody who's going to take the church in a godly direction. Sometimes that's the Babylonians. So, with that being said, you all have a wonderful weekend. I love you all, and we'll see you. And a moment of clarity next time. You've been listening to a moment of clarity on Wham Talk 1600 with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio. 